This Arizona football offense has the capabilities of being the best U of A offense since 1998. How did we get to this point? Coming off a 20-game losing streak just recently, we're going to break it all down here on Locked on Wildcats. You are Locked on Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, and thanks for making this your first listen of the day. All right, we got a ton to get to on this show, but we're going to talk about the Arizona offense and where exactly it stacks up um, historically and where it should stack up in the conference. Now, I am of the opinion that this is going to be the best Arizona offense since 1998 when the team went 12-1 and and finished in the top five in the nation. Um, now, to remember who was on that team, that was a loaded team, to put it mildly. I believe 17 NFL players, um, not only 17 NFL players, but the quarterback position, you had Keith Smith and Ortiz Jenkins. At the running back, you had Trunk Candidate, Kelvin Efon, um, obviously some pretty good players there. At that wide receiving core, you had Dennis Northcutt, you had Jeremy McDaniel. At the tight ends, you had Brandon Manamuliana, and you had... Uh, um, Mike Lucky, and then at the uh, off on the offensive line spots, you had a uh, you had a big use of Scott. You had a you had a bunch of different guys, and Edwin Mulatalo, who turned out to be a, obviously a really really good pro. So again, it was a loaded offense. It was I think it was the high water mark of Arizona football was that year. Um, now with uh, this team, though, let's kind of go and where they compare. First, you got Jane Delora, uh, Jane Delora at that QB spot. Um, Delora is a kind of a, I guess, schizophrenic quarterback. I'll put it to you like that. He can play. Uh, he's got some really, really good moments. He's got some really, really bad moments, but, uh, when he's good, he's really, really good. You know, we, uh, and again, we've talked about that before. Um, when he's bad, he's obviously, he struggles. Um, you certainly hope if you're Arizona that he will be able to, uh, make that next step right there, that he'll be able to get in there and, you know, let's be honest, uh, make that, uh, you know, make that make consistency a real part of his game because the consistency has not been there for him. And I think that's what's frustrated some fans. But it also frustrates him a little bit because you see what he's got right there. I mean, you see that he's got the ability to get the ball downfield, to make the right reads, to move around. I mean, he's he's got big time potential to him. It's just about being able to put that in place. And with the kind of skill position players he has around him, he doesn't really need to worry about that. He doesn't really need to uh, try to make plays that he can't. This isn't a, uh, this isn't one of the uh, Kevin Sumlin or, you know, one of the Kevin Sumlin teams or the early Mike Stoops team, excuse me, where you just had no talent. You had a lot of talent and we're going to get to that talent right here. Um, Let's talk about the wide receiving core. I don't believe that there, there might be as good a wide receiving duos in the country, but I don't believe that there's anybody better than, uh, T-Mac and uh, Jacob Cowing. Now, Jacob Cowing uh, surprised a lot of people by coming back, caught for over a 1,000 yards last year, um, led the nation in uh, yards after catch, tremendous player. He's about 5'8", um, and I think they thought that it'd be good for him to come back and, as uh, Tyler Owens, uh, U of A's great strength and conditioning coach, said, get some body armor on him. And uh, he's a little bulked up, obviously looks good. 
Um, I look for him to go over a thousand yards again and probably be all conference. Then you got T Mac, the uh, all world wide receiver out of uh, California, was a freshman All American. I would not be surprised at all if he caught for 13 or 14 touchdowns this year um, and led the conference in uh, uh, receiving or receiving touchdowns. He's got that ability to him. He's increased his speed. And not only has he increased his speed, his, as we know, the ball skills are fantastic. He can tip balls to himself. He can get up there. He can just do a lot of different things. Um, He's going to be an NFL player at what level? I think it's still to be determined. But if he can get that speed into that high 4-4 range, you could be easily looking at a first-round pick right there. And if not a first-round pick, then a high second-round pick. Um, He's definitely an NFL player, as is Jacob Cowing. Cowing is obviously significantly shorter, so that's going to uh, um, to, you know – hold him back to a certain extent, but also won't be something that's going to be a total deal breaker though, either I expect him to play in the NFL. So both those guys are all conference type players. And again, I don't know that there's anybody that I would take over those two. Then at those other uh, receiver spots, you bring in Montana Lamonius Craig, maybe the best, one of the best names in college football, a kid out of California or a kid out of California originally four-star kid out of Inglewood went to uh Colorado initially um, was Colorado's best receiver last year. Obviously, Colorado didn't have any kind of passing game. So that was uh, something that, uh, you know, people need to keep an eye on. Um, I think that it's going to be a much better offense. I think that it's going to be something where you're getting – I think he'll be able to get 700 700 yards. I don't expect him to replace Dorian Singer, but I also think that he'll be able to get somewhere around that kind of contribution, though – uh, what you want at that third spot. So I think he's going to be that third guy. Then after that, you got Kevin Green Jr. You got A.J. Jones. You got Malachi Riley. You've got a ton of different options right there. And when I say a ton of different op- options, I mean a ton of different options. Um, so the receiving core is absolutely loaded top to bottom. Lots to like about that. Uh, lots to like about that team. Now, with uh, at the tight end spot, also becomes a little interesting. You've got Tanner McLaughlin, and uh, again, uh, this coaching staff has just done an amazing job of being able to evaluate talent and find out who's good, who isn't, who can do what, because Tanner McLaughlin is, I didn't even think much about him when he came in. I thought he was a kid. Okay, he's out of Southern Utah. You know, what exactly does that mean? Um, But he came in here. Not only did he come in here, he came in and um, he was an all-conference type dude. I mean, he was really that good. And not only was he really that good, he started to kind of look like an NFL guy after a while. And I think that's what really impresses people is that, you know, you generally don't see players that come from Southern uh, Southern Utah who come in here and don't have a ton of historical, uh, you know, historical background to them and come in here. And not only that, but he also has uh, he also has the ability to be able to um, uh, break things deep, to be able to get over the middle. There's a like I said, and he can block as well. Just a ton of stuff to really like about him. And not only is there a ton of stuff to like about him, he's also the player too that um, you know he can uh, he like I said he can do a lot of different things right there. So again, 
I think that you're looking at another NFL player. Think about that. That's the recurring theme so far. We talked about that early in the show. NFL players, we'll talk about that a little bit later and how that factors in, how that matters. Um, but, and we'll continue to do that. But first, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel right here. All right, FanDuel. All right, here's the deal. FanDuel.com backslash locked on college. FanDuel is where it's at. Um, basketball's almost over. Grr. And football is over. Grr. But you know what? You still want things to uh, still want something to bet on. You still want something to uh, uh, enjoy. Get on to FanDuel.com uh, backslash locked on and check it out again. It makes it makes the games more interesting. Um, again, be responsible with it, obviously. But you got baseball, you got UFC, you got golf. You got things that even if you don't like those sports, betting on it makes it a little bit more interesting. So check it out, fanduel.com backslash, backslash locked on college. We're going to talk about the, keep talking about the tight ends and the importance of NFL players. Thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. Um, uh, uh, we're uh, making your first listen of the day. All right, now we've got a ton, we got a lot to get to on the rest of this show as well. So let's talk about it. Um, the uh, all right, so Tanner McLaughlin, we talked about how he could be an all-conference type dude, and not only could be an all-conference type dude. Um, so that's kind of where uh, you know we're at with that. Now, Keen Burnett, Keen Burnett, Burnett, ex forced our uh, tight end out of California. Um, he is a uh, he's a he's an inter he's an interesting guy because he probably has more top uh, top end ability than Tanner McLaughlin, and he also has kind of the capabilities of you know being that prototypical NFL tight end. Now again, he comes from football royalty. His dad starred here at the U of A and went off and played in the NFL. Um, so he's obviously got good bloodlines in there, and he's big. He's six four, two forty five. He's a good kid. You watch him. Um, he's obviously really taken to the weight room. He looks he's significantly bigger than he was at this time last year. I think you're going to see him on the field a lot. I really do. I think you could see two tight end sets. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And he's another player again. Uh, stop me if you've heard this. That projects NFL type talent. That's what you got to like about him. Um, so there's that. And then with, uh, um, so there's that at that. So we've, we've talked about NFL guys already, T-Mac, Jacob Cowing, uh, Tanner McLaughlin and Kean Burnett. Now let's get to the running back spot. Michael Wiley, uh, surprised a lot of people and decided to come back. Uh, Michael Wiley is a fantastic running back. Um, he showed last year, especially against ASU at the end that he can break plays, that he can catch plays out of the backfield. A lot of different stuff. He is a, he's a talented, talented dude. Um, and uh, he's kind of your typical uh, modern day all purpose backs, probably not a burner, but I could see him being on an NFL roster. It has very much of a Shane Vereen type feel to him. Um, and then after that, uh, you got Jonah Coleman, who weight, weight room monster Jonah Coleman, and you've also got uh, DJ Williams. I uh, both those guys will play. I wish DJ Williams had played a little bit more than uh, uh, he did last year, but you know it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty loaded running back room, and Scotty Graham definitely knows what he's doing. He's had a uh, they didn't even fumble they didn't fumble once last year, and Scotty Graham would not uh, release uh, uh, the secrets as to why, but just know that he knows what he's doing. So I got no problem with whatever Scotty Graham wants to do on that front. Um, 
Now, when it comes to uh, uh, some of the other players, then before we get to the O line, Speedy Luke, fam, um, he is a uh, obviously is about 5'8, 170, something like that. He's never going to get much bigger than that. Um, but I would like to see him utilized a lot more this year. Granted, he had injury and whatnot, but I'd like to see him utilized in a couple different ways. First, I'd like to see him return. Uh, I'd like to see him returning kicks. I don't want Jacob Cowing returning kicks. I'm sure he can do a very good job of it, but he's too important to the offense. And he's a little dude to begin with, and he's already out on the field the entire time at wide receiver. Don't want him returning kicks. Just feels like it's a, a problem waiting to happen. That's where Speedy Luke comes in. Um, he can uh, he can return kicks. Again, there's a lot of small dudes that have returned kicks in the past, whether that's DeAnthony Thomas. I know he's thicker, but uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, players like that. Um but uh, you know that's kind of where uh, that's kind of where it's at with those guys. Um, I I'd like to see Speedy Luke get the ball eight to ten times per game. Whether that's rushing, whether that's receiving, whether that's kick returns, you got to get this guy the ball, and you got to get him the ball in space. You get him the ball in space. There's going to be I think uh, there's going to be problems for opposing defenses. That's where uh, I would love to see that one occur right there. And then up front. Let's just talk about it, man. The offensive line, the offensive line. He is, um, he is, uh, um, he, the offensive line is, uh, is fascinating. First, you got big Jonas Sabanea. He's going to be a first round pick. Whenever he's eligible to be a first round pick, he'll be a first round pick. Um, he was a freshman all American guard last year. They moved him out to tackle this year. Um, you, uh, you generally don't, you don't do that if a guy doesn't have the type of talent to, uh, to do that. Um, not only that, you've also got, uh, um, you've also got, uh, Jordan Morgan there. We'll get to that in a second, but Jonas Savinea is kind of the linchpin to the offensive line because for the longest time, I think a lot of people questioned whether this, uh, this offensive line would be, uh, capable of, um, you know, finding that right tackle, because again, there isn't a right tackle on this squad right now um, that I think they feel really comfortable in. That's why you move Jonah outside, which also increases Jonah's NFL stock because he's already shown that he can excel at guard, obviously. And if you can excel at tackle, then you really become an interesting player as well. And then op opposite him, opposite him is Jordan Morgan, Jordan Morgan, fantastic player. Um, before the injury, probably was uh, projecting as a first-round pick. He can, uh, again, he's another dude, can do kind of everything out there. Very impressive player. Um, and uh, when you watch him, you also know that he can um, uh, he can move his feet. He's taken to strength and conditioning, obviously. Now, he, uh, he uh, tore up his knee at the end of the season, but watching him in spring – he was moving around incredibly well already. He was doing resistance training. Um, he was running with uh, with a knee brace on. He looked good. He looks like he's going to be full go by the time Arizona starts the season. And if you're full go and you got both those dudes right there, you got Sabanea and you've got uh, Jordan Morgan holding it down on the outside, that makes life a lot easier for the rest of the squad right there. And and quite frankly, not only does it make it a lot easier, there's not many teams that you can say have two potential first-round picks at those spots, and both those guys have that potential. Jordan Morgan's already been projected in as that as well. And then at guard, 
again, we're going to keep talking about the great job Jed Fish has done evaluating talent. Wendell Moe, um, kid out of Long Beach Poly, a uh, high school you might have heard of, um, for whatever reason was not highly recruited. Uh, he committed to Morgan State originally. Morgan State, yes. Um, Arizona got in on him late. Um, but they're glad they got in on him because by midseason he was starting. Lamont Lovett, you called this one. Um, and not only was he starting, he was starting to really put together some good play. Um, watching him, you can tell that um, – watching him, you can tell that uh, his best football is certainly in front of him. He's bulked up – or he's bulked down, actually. Came in at about 360. He's probably about 335 now. But he – look no, he looks great. And – uh, he, while he doesn't have the ability to probably move outside the way that uh, Jonas Sabanea does, he also has um, – he's got some road grader to him right there at that guard position, and that's something you want to see. We're going to keep talking about Mo, and we're going to talk Josh Baker and who can be that next spot coming up next. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats, and making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, now let's talk – uh, keep talking Wendell Moe. I think Wendell Moe's got all conference potential at some point. Um, whether, when, whether he hits that, we'll find out. But I do believe that he's got all conference potential. Um, and not only do I believe he's got all conference potential, I believe that he has, um, you know, I, I believe that he's going to be a stalwart on this offensive line. Again, a great job by uh, Jed Fish and staff finding him right there. Then uh, next to him will be Josh Baker at center. Uh, Josh Baker doesn't possess the natural uh, offensive talent that uh, Savinea, Mo, Morgan have, but he's solid in there. No problem with him. He's solid. Uh, not great, but you know, at the center position, he knows his re- he knows his reads. He knows what to do. I'm okay with him right there. Um, next to him, though, that other guard spot. It's going to be fascinating to see what Arizona does. Now they obviously feel they can find somebody because you don't move somebody like Jonas Savinea out without having another plan in there. And I think that the plan could be a bunch of different guys, to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't surprise me at all if Robert Polito, uh, incoming freshman, gets in there. Keep in mind, Robert Polito um, was a kid that was committed to Alabama for the longest time out of Arizona or excuse me, out of California, was committed to Alabama. Massive kid, 6'7", 330. Could see them trying him inside, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, that, uh, if that's actually what happened. But they're going to have some options right here for sure. Not only are they going to have some options, um, they're going to uh, they're going to um, you know let's be honest they're going to have the ability to be able to make some uh, uh, make some plays out there. I think the offensive line is going to be just fine. Um, overall, though, you know if you're looking for a grade for the units, I think B to B plus for the QBs, A plus for the receivers, B plus for the tight ends. I'll go actually I'll go B with the quarterbacks right now. Offensive line B mainly because there's not a ton of depth outside of that starting five or that starting four right now. Whoever slides into the guard, but there's a lot to like about what they can do. Um, so again, one thing about this squad, and we're going to talk about defense tomorrow. But one thing about this squad you've got to keep in mind though is that. I think as long as Jed Fish is here, this team won't struggle to find offensive talent. Um, and not only will they not struggle to find offensive talent, I think they're going to be able to um, 
you know, get next level type guys, because again, he's already shown in year two that uh, the players he brought in were all able to put up numbers and were able to do uh, a lot of different things. And I look for that to continue. And again, players like playing for talented uh, on playing on talented offenses with coaches that know what they're doing. And Arizona has certainly shown that on the offensive side of the ball. All right. Tomorrow we're going to talk defense. Get you uh, that's obviously a lot more up in the air than the Arizona offense. But again, wanted to break down all the positions at the U of A on offense. Um, talk about the importance of the NFL because the best teams have NFL players. Let's just uh, we we're not breaking any news right there. And there's a lot of NFL players on the U of A offense. We're going to talk about the Arizona defense and what needs to happen. But as always, thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day.